everybody. This is Breezy with another episode of One Time Event. This week we have Clovis on from the Combustion Chamber. He swung by and brought some beer and some good conversation. I think you guys will enjoy it. If you like it, please leave a comment on the Facing Books or wherever you see this and tell your burner friends. Also, if you really like it and want to help me out, I set up a GoFundMe page where you can help me get better microphones, better equipment, better sound mixer, a sound mixer, and you know, possibly more storage space on Amazon. Uh, details of that are actually on the Flipazon's post where this is posted. And if you're also in the technical know-how of how to possibly get this onto a podcast format such as iTunes, please shoot me a message. I would love to talk to you. Anyway, enjoy. Just kind of go. Speak into the microphone, he said. Pretty much. So I just kind of go. So uh, what actually brought you to uh, to go into burn events? I have a close friend that's the maven of Burning Glam. And she invited me. We had been attending uh, Carnival together. And Jade Rumor was like, I went to this event last year, and you really should go. We're starting a new theme camp, and it's Burning Glam. We're going to provide costumes to the masses. That was 2002, so I believe they'd probably started 2001. There was a whole wave of us that hit in 2002. Thomas, yeah. Not Bob, a Sparrow was around in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just a whole big influx. Yeah, it seems like it. it seems like that's what that, was the theme? That was down the rabbit hole. And okay. the effigy was the House of Cards. Right, yeah, yeah. By Beth England, I believe. Okay, that's cool. There's a lot of people that I know of jumped in at Glitter Monkey Rodeo. I don't remember exactly what year that was. Uh, I'm going to say that was 2004. Yeah, right around. Yeah, so you got an influence of people there. What was that? Uh, was that Wreck Plantation? That was Wreck Plantation. That was Dave Umless's first effigy. What do you think a burn event actually is? I mean, you know, a lot of people that I know don't exactly know. They just think it's like a party or what? Is, what is a burn event to you? It is a family reunion at this point. <laughs> uh, it is a canvas for almost anything you want it to be. It runs the gamut of the human experience, and we provide a place for that to happen. Some people uh, take the effigy burning as uh, like a transformative experience. Some people will just see it as a bonfire. Uh, what do you take it as? I find it very transformative. Yeah, I've let loose of a lot of stuff in burns. Mm-hmm. I actually watched my first burn in 10 years this last year. Oh, I still find them very powerful. Excellent. That's awesome. Yeah, I I find that they they are as well. Some some of my friends don't understand. It's like it's a bonfire or no, it's I don't know. You just kind of got to be there, but it is definitely a, a transformative experience. It can be. It can be. I've worked on a glitter monkey rodeo. Was the first effigy I've worked on. I helped with the neon, and then I helped with the rocket ship. And after you build one and pour your sweat and blood into it and then burn it. It is a transformative. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, uh, do you do you go to? Uh, I know you go to Burning Man. Do you go to other uh, smaller events? You have you gone to Mischievia or uh, Freezer Burn? I have not gone to Mischievia or Freezer Burn. I went to Lakes of Fire up in Michigan. That, okay. that's a good little burn too. So you're a um, NAF lead. I'm an AF lead. I'm a Combustion Chamber member. I'm a Burning Man regional company. Got a lot of uh, fingers and a lot of pies. Some people don't know what an AF lead does. What the what do you do as an AF lead, and what does that entail? Right. AF stands for area facilitating. So basically, you are in charge of a specific area of operations. 
for either the flip side community or the event or the year round. Uh, my particular scope of operations is side operations. So everything at the event except for maybe rangers and safety while the event's going on is pretty much under my purview. I have 10 leads that make me look good. Uh, carts, power, uh, equipment, porta potties, transpo in and out. Uh, You're saying you have a lot of stuff to do at the event. We do, we do. So as a combustion chamber member, what do you do? Our job is to take community. We, we're basically a conduit of information between the community and the LLC and the other way around too from the LLC out. So if you were to look at it, we try to be as flat an organization as we can. You would have the AFs on one side in operations, the LLC sitting in the middle, and then on the other side would be the combustion chamber. So policy goes in one side to the LLC and out the same side, and then operations is the same way. Everything flows through the LLC. Oh, yes, and the regional contact. What do you do with that? I am the contact for people interested in Burning Man, and I act as a liaison between our community and the Burning Man organization. I know that the Combustion Chamber is looking for new members. Uh, what do you look for with uh, with someone who would like to apply and self-apply with? What do you look for as a community member that would like to transfer into a uh, Combustion Chamber role? Uh, I look for someone that is representative of a group that we don't often hear from. You know, a particular niche in the community, whether it's the kink part or the sound camps or the theme camps or, you know, burner parents, just something that tells me they have a target audience that they actually represent. And then I'm looking for someone who can express themselves clearly, uh, has good ideas, not will and willing to share them. And then the other thing is you have to be able to work with them because we run on a consensus basis. So the only real power a CC member has is the ability to block emotion. So that very seldom happens because it only takes one of us. And there's, I think right now there's 13 of us. Actually. Yeah, there's around 13 to 14 depending on the, the flux of... Yeah, I think there's like 14 that they said. That sounds pretty close. Right. So how is being a, uh, a lead or an AF or on the CC, uh, how's that actually inspired you in your day-to-day -day life? I think it's helped me in my ability to work with people because when you're working with an all-volunteer organization, whether it's CC or whether it's, it's as an AF, 10 leads, it takes volunteers. And so you have to figure out a way to get buy-in from people on, on projects you want to do. And I, I feel like that's very valuable in real life and business. If you have employees that buy into what you're doing, you get a much better product. It's helped my communication styles. You have to express your ideas in a manner that will engage people and draw them in. What do you look forward to whenever you go to actually, uh, to go to Flipside? What is one thing that you look forward to? I really enjoy making the event run smoothly or appear that way. And then the other thing is there's so many people that when I say it's like a family reunion, it really is. There's people I only see it at Flipside and, or other burn events. And, you know, so that's once a year, once every three years, I'll run into my Russian friend from Houston or one of my friends from Chicago will pop up or L.A. So that's that's always a fun thing because it's always a surprise. 
Do you find that also a reason why you get so more more into the community with you know doing AFs and doing leads because you actually get to hang out with the people? I get that's one of the reasons why I go is I get to you know see several people in the community in you know the combustion chamber. I get to come once every two weeks and all right, I get to see Clovis, I get to see Pros, I get to see all the all the members there. It's like all right because I don't get to see you anywhere else. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, also, part of it is is uh. Just seeing what everyone brings. The creativity at, at Flipside is amazing. Uh, performing a useful function. Mm-hmm. Feeling needed in the community is good. And uh, watching this community grow has been one of my great pleasures. I mean, it, it is actually year-round community, and I don't know that it was that strong when I started. Yeah, it seems like it's, it's, it is getting better, like every year at least, and it is growing. Um, do you find that being somewhat of a problem with it, you know, getting as big as it has been? Uh, I know that, you know, the big hoopla a couple of years ago, whenever it had, had that big, big spike. I don't think it's an issue. We are very careful to keep our growth incremental. Mm-hmm. And so as long as we take the time to enculturate people and absorb them into the community, I think we're fine. I think the biggest test for us in size is going to be when we – approach the level where we have to have paid staff. I think that's when the flip side community decides whether it's going to grow bigger or stay small enough that it's run all volunteers. Mm-hmm. Both have their merits. Is there any um, specific things you like at, at, that you've seen at Flipside, any kind of art installations or any kind of theme camps that you generally gravitate to? Any shout outs for them? Oh, there's several theme camps I, I, I adore Flipside. Uh, Temple of the Steaming Pot has saved my ass more than once after a late night, early morning go to work shift. Uh, you, know, you, don't, you don't have to say that because I'm here. Oh, I know. Uh, Burning Lamb, of course. Conquering the world through fashion. Any of the fire camps. Sitting camp with Jick. You know, he's a, he's a regular font of wisdom. Uh... Any fire art always always thrills me to death. I'm a big fan of it. What would you What would you tell someone that would come into a, a, a burn event that's that's new, that that just you know an example that you have of what the event is? I can't even remember if it was the first year at Flat Creek or one of the last years at Wreck Plant. Someone staged a very surreal piece of performance art where, well, I assume it was performance art. I don't really know but there were all these men in black that pulled up in a white van and snatched a small woman in front of a bunch of hippies and loaded her in a tow sack held the crowd off with guns and left it was a bolt out of the blue it was very (laughs) ex-filish yeah i've heard that that story and i've also heard the, the the one where they dropped them off and they just got out just kind of dusted himself off and walked off like there was, oh, I'm here now, and just walked right out. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see the end of it. I just saw the first of it, and, you know, people were panicked. It was pretty funny. I mean, that's what I love about about this event. You'll see those, well, this is performance art, definitely, because there was one that um, uh, Camp Curly did a couple years back where they bought theme camps, and they made a big show of it. It was amazing. It was amazing. I saw it when they bought the Burning Glam. Because they were stationed right across from the steaming pot, it was by far one of the funniest things I've seen that that I saw that year. Yes, and you know, there's various rampages. There was the Abe Lincoln rampage a few years ago. Saw them too. That was great. One year, someone 
butchered a chicken, live chicken. And I believe it was the chupacabras. And that caused quite a stir because people don't really like to think about where their food comes from. Right, I believe they were um, calling Cthulhu at that point. They might have, but he must have liked chicken because they cooked it. <laughs> what do you think you could work on with, you know, because some people do have uh, their their ideas on the Ten Principles, and uh, what do you think you could work on with those? I mean, we have the Leave No Trace that everyone's pretty good at, you know, picking up the trash or welcoming the stranger. Do you have any ones that you kind of stick in and go like, ah, that's not exactly for me. I should probably work on that if you, if you do. The dividing line on radical inclusion. That's always a tough one because while we welcome the stranger, at one point do you call the stranger if they do not fit in with the community? And I've seen that you know happen before where it's yeah we got to work on you know especially with last year with not necessarily who comes but what they do when they're here you know with with tagging or you know we need to educate a lot more and, and a lot of emphasis on you know how do you educate the new people coming in to what we do. Yeah, that that's part of that enculturating. That is a tough one. Sometimes it takes people more than a year to get it, and hopefully the community has patience enough to allow them to find their way in. The other thing I think we could all work on, especially on a larger scale like Burning Man, is decommodification. Mm -hmm. People have that confused as money itself being the evil in it. I have no problem with figuring out a way for artists like at Burning Man to make a living or at least get paid for their art since that drives their event and it is a several million dollar event. Also, an event that size, I, I like the fact that they're starting to pay their staff. And I would hope if we ever got to the point where we had to pay our staff that we paid them a fair wage. I see a lot more with uh with a lot more Kickstarters uh kickstarting art pieces and whatnot. I mean, do you see any kind of uh, Thomas seems Thomas liked the idea. Uh, what do you think about it? Oh, I do too. I, I, Kickstarting's changed the way that we can fund art. When I went and helped build the temple in '09, they didn't really have Kickstarters so much. That the, the temple out at Burning Man. At Burning Man. Okay. And the builders of that, you know, went into debt for a number of years over that, whereas nowadays with crowdsource funding, mm -hmm. they probably could have completely paid for it and not gone into debt. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have to go into debt to make a great piece of art for the community. Right. So how many hours do you work at Flipside? I mean, really, I mean, I see you fl flying around the cart a lot. It seems like you're working a ton out there. I stay on shift out there approximately 12 hours a day. The entire event? Yes. Wow. That, that's a long time. It is, but, uh, you know, I'm riding around in that golf cart of entitlement, save, saving my legs for that time when I can have a little fun. This this last year, I started instituting a shift manager mm -hmm. process for site operations. I plan on extending that to where, A, I can have time off, and B, it will make it easier for the next person to take my job, which, yeah. by the way, is open. Oh, it's open? It is. Okay, excellent. So. We just kind of flew through this one. This was good. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's all good. You're doing a fine job. I thought the one with Patrick and and uh, Thomas both were very good. Patrick was a uh, Patrick was very fun to do. The fact that he came down from uh, Corpus was was very cool, and that he could talk a little bit about Architect and and bringing them guys back. That that's gonna be that should be a, a exciting. 
It should be. We provided a generator for them for their very first show out at Calypso. And and that goes along with the uh, the crowdfunding thing. As long as we as long as they can set something up, uh, you know, I don't think they should have a problem with getting some kind of funds for them. If you say Architect wants to come out, here's a link to help us out. That they should get a lot of help out. They should. We've been. You know, for the core projects going out to Burning Man, the community has, used, has raised right around $20,000 per mm-hmm. effort. So, I mean, there is money out there. Is it better spent within the community? Well, you know, that's a, that's a question. If we could fund that kind of art for Burning Man, we should be able to fund it for our, our event flip side. Oh, definitely. Especially with, you know, they are technically a, a local thing, you know, an, an Austin-based thing. It'd be great to have them back out. Uh, one of the things I'm interested in, I've been hearing a lot of conversation in the community about building a temple at Flipside. Building a temple? That would be interesting. What have you heard? Just there's several people interested in it. And, you know, I, I started wrapping my head around it. Our effigy only costs a few thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. So for about half the cost of what we spend on the effigy as a community, Someone could put together a fine-looking temple out there and add that to our little repertoire of, of burn <laughs> events out there. It's one thing I do here, and and a lot of, and and not saying that this goes on to you. It's I hear a lot of someone should, you know. And honestly, if someone should, then maybe you should. You, but if you're thinking about it, maybe you should you know organize something and and try and kick it that way rather than saying oh well flipside should have this flipside should have this and you should do it i think i think you will see people stepping up the the conversations i've been hearing is from people who want to do it yeah. or, or or are interested in promoting it now from my standpoint as equipment lead at flipside we would certainly do what we could to enable their art we do that for all the artists that come out mm-hmm. and that would be awesome that'd be It'd be an interesting experiment along with, you know, Flipside as the experiment. It would be. I, I'm assuming it would probably be a Saturday night burn and then the effigy would still burn on Sunday. Oh, double burn. Yeah, yeah, that would work. That'd be interesting. That would, Because I do hear a lot about, you know, the burnable art, but you know what? I never get to see it, and that's one thing I do like about Flipside is I don't get to see everything, as I've stated before. And I don't get to see a lot of – I see a lot of fire art – but I don't see a lot of art that just burns. You know, I see the effigy burning, but I don't see the other stuff. Part of that is lack of burnable art. Part of it is also a logistics thing. When The year we burned the mischievous piece for them, that was also the year that the Temple of Times did not get to burn, which is why it ended up going to Burning Man. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a volunteer issue. Yeah. It's all about staffing. Those, those uh, fire events have to be monitored. Yes, yes. And also, I kind of see that stuff just kind of happens to a certain extent. Not not that it's going off with a, without proper supervision, but it's, you know, they're burning it now. And now once you get back to it, it's, it's already, you know, on fire. Cause the, the, they burned that bad idea, I believe, the Mischievia effigy as well as the big ship, the ship. And I didn't see any of that either. Was, that was on Saturday night, I believe. It was they they brought uh, the effigy that didn't burn from Mischievia down and burnt that on Saturday and it was just I missed it completely. Part of that is probably lack of advertisement. Lack of yes. Part of it is probably oh my gosh I'm off in the crowd off doing something else. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I you know I even at Flipside I miss things. Mm-hmm. 
And at Burning Man, if you have any FOMO or fear of missing out, you're just screwed. You're not going to be able to see everything. And that's what I think is hilarious is that even at a small smaller event, the flip side is, is that you're still not going to be able to see everything. Like the snowball fight. Right. People miss that one. People miss that one. But that one takes place pretty regularly at the, the same, not the same time, but it does seem like there's a slight problem with with advertising that your event is going on. I think that could be worked on a little, you know, that could be helped out a little bit better as everything can be, you know, everything can get better. And maybe that's something, you know, we could all work on together is getting the word out that specific events are happening and just go ahead and promote it. Yeah. And there's some of that that goes on through the disinfo kiosks Mm -hmm. there again. That's always hit and miss and people are not always aware of them. Right, and it's also at Flipside, and at Flipside, you should be keeping up and going around. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't hold it respons- on a responsibility that those kiosks weren't updated to date, you know, maybe on like Friday, the Thursday events are still up. But you know what, I understand some those people are still out partying, or they're... It's an all-volunteer org. Exactly, exactly. I can't really complain about an all-volunteer org, because guess what, they're volunteers, and, you know, that'd be rough to do. <laughs> they're worth every penny we get paid. <laughs> So what do you have for um, for like a, a noob or any type of advice for someone coming to their first event? No expectations. Just let it wash over you. Wash over you. It's going to be what it's going to be. I mean, I didn't have a clue as to what I was getting into when I came to my first flip side. And mm-hmm. I stepped over the hill and looked down in that bowl at wreck plant and all the lights. And I thought, holy fuck. <laughs> and I kept coming back. So is there anything you would like to talk about, man? I mean, I don't, I don't really. We went through pretty much everything. Man. You got anything you want to like promote or? Sure. Let's get back to the issue of growth. Okay. Yeah. One of the big impediments to growth is going to be volunteers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is the one limiting factor. Every year we go through, not really an interview, but an assessment with the LLC and the. AFs, mm-hmm. and that is always one of the questions. Do we have enough volunteers to sustain this event if we grow by 8% this year or 6%? And so far, the answer's been yes, but there's no guarantees. Some of us are getting a little long in the teeth at the volunteering thing. I've been lead for 12 years. Someone's got to take my place. Right. You just got to step up and volunteer and, and just get out there and start meeting people, I guess. And it's a, you know, it's a good way to meet the community. It's a good way to grow your job set, your job skills set. It's a whole lot of things. Uh, at this point, we're sophisticated enough. No one really just steps into a lead position, but certainly most of the lead positions are learnable within a year or two. So if you volunteer in a particular place for a couple of years and then are a lead couple of years and you've been in the org for four years, that's a reasonable amount of time, I think, to give of yourself. And during that, you might stay longer. You might find you enjoy it. What do you think are the uh, the good positions to go into? I mean, I went, uh, I started with uh, the Shaven Apes first off, which was pretty fun, and then went moved on into Guardians for for the last couple of years, which is good. What What do you think stands out for you know volunteering? What What do you see the need for? I think you know the need is always going to be in the in the like the safety department, the Rangers. Rangers are a big one. I mean. That's going to strictly limit the size of it. Uh, volunteers in the medical arts, volunteers on the fire team, volunteers in parking and greeters. That's already impacted gate hours last year and might impact it further this year because 
if we don't have volunteers to staff parking and or greet them when they come in, then we're just going to shut the gates down. I think. The greeters are fun. The greeters are definitely a, a good place to – you'll see a, a lot of people coming in that way for sure. And parking definitely needs help. I know that. Shaving Ape's a good entry drug. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you get to meet people. You get to help people. You get the whole concept. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's unskilled labor for the most part. Mm-hmm. You just have to have a good attitude and a willingness to help. I think some of the some of the the concern that I can see about it is that you can't just step into let's say a safety role without some kind of training. Rangers have a training. I'm assuming that all the other stuff like fire and medics they all have some kind of certification already previous to that. They do. Most of them do. They they're they're well staffed. They're well staffed with professionals. There are also though volunteer positions within that where they will. They might not provide you certification, but mm-hmm. they're going to make sure that you are doing it correctly. I just assume that the fire fire volunteers were mostly uh, people who knew what they were doing with you know volunteer fire, like actual volunteer firefighters in their own right, or their uh, the pets would be you know licensed with Medi- medical training. Yeah, with medical and training, sanctuary as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that seems a little, you know, th- those are definitely needed things that we have, but it's not just everyone can just step right into it. Right. So and and so there's a there's also a variety of other positions that in a high tech community like ours we have the whole com team mm-hmm. which manage our website, our communications, the underlying software, mm-hmm. ticket sales. You know, our ticket process is 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 complicated and volunteer run. What do you think about the possibility of going to straight up all will call? As long as they give you a ticket for the artwork, I would hate to lose that part of it. Well, I don't think that's going. I don't think that that's not going to happen. But yeah, the, the the will call ticket was so much easier. I did that last year, and it was so much. It's a hassle that I don't have to worry about about keeping my ticket. No, I'll get one at the game. It's great. I do like the concept though of not having to transfer tickets. So if you have actual physical tickets. Mm-hmm. They just migrate through the community, mm-hmm. and I'm quite sure a lot of people get their first tickets without knowing anything really about us. And someone says, "Here, you should get a ticket and go to this." Right. I'm the kind of person that I don't like to buy things online because I like to have the thing physically in my hands. I have to go and see what it is and have it in my hands. And and I want to say it was a, a freaky deaky time machines. Whenever I I had to get a ticket throughout from the community and Getting it in my hands was so much better than thinking about having to get it on a will call basis. That would have been just, it would have been scary that way. The whole process of having to transfer mm-hmm. will call tickets just adds another kink. I think it intimidates people. Mm-hmm. The other thing, as long as we, one of the things I really do like is our hybrid ticket process where people have to mail in during the window. It's a very low entry Darwin rule. If you're too hippie to get your shit together enough to mail in during the ticket window. Right, yeah. Then, then you better rely on them personality skills. Well, that and also it's that interesting barrier to entry that it makes you want to go. If you want to go, you're going to jump through that. You know, it's not big. It's not that big of a hoop, but it is a little bit of a barrier to entry to make sure that no, you should go. Here's the way to do it. If they do it, then they're going to want to go, as opposed to yeah, I'll get it done and then miss the ticket window altogether. Well, and the other thing is, I've been watching a lot of the regionals where they do online sales, and they sell out in ten minutes, and then there's a whole crowd of butt hurt out there just waiting to happen. 
with our process where you actually have to mail in during the pro during the week and then we count all the tickets and then you know this year it actually ended up we did not have a lottery at all but by having the mail in money orders and hit that time period it keeps the scalping low and everyone's got the same shot you're not relying on your internet connection or anything else there were software programs written this year for some of the events too so they could be like have 12 tickets in queue at the same time that's kind of sketchy there it is sketchy and you know the the mail the mail in process eliminates that and like it, like i said it's a very low bar to entry but it's one you know you ha you have to physically Get a money order and mail it in. There's other stuff I have. What about you? What changes would you like to see in Flipside? What changes would I like to see in Flipside? Um, <laughs> yes, more nudity. More nudity. Now the um, I think it's it's gone. It's gotten better every year. The the issues that I had starting off versus I mean a lot of it's a lot of it's changed from the time that. I started going to now that I've gone to a lot of CC meetings and, you know, seeing how the sausage works. And what I said when I did apply to be a CC member is that the community is good and the CC members are in the right place. A lot of things that uh, they talk about, I'd like to see a lot more swift action. That's what I want to see. What you were doing at the last, you know, CC meeting was get this, get this show on the fucking road. We need to decide on this kind of thing. It's, I think sometimes this, the, the meetings need a kick in the ass. It's all right to talk about it, about things, but at a certain point, it's we've talked enough about this. Let's make a recommendation. And uh, sometimes I see it going, no, let's get a kick in the ass and get this 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 moving. Uh, one thing I would like to see is I understand the reason for the ticket window being when it is and being, you know, um, after Christmas. I get that. But as far as I'm concerned, if you know you're going to go to Flipside, you know you're going to go to Flipside immediately afterward. You should already have your money pretty much within you know, three months. So I already have – I already know I'm going next year, so I already have that money planned out for. You could put the ticket window now, and I'd be ready for it. Not saying it has to be. Just saying that we want to move this up to where we're not going to have to uh, worry about a lottery because we're going to have volunteers already ready for it. I'd like to see – you know, everything just kind of move up and move quicker. And like I said, it's it's a community thing where we need to get quicker as as a community with stepping up for volunteers, uh, you know, stepping up for leads, pushing everything backwards a little bit to uh, what they would like to do with with the leads being vetted and ready for stepping in that position earlier. It gets them to know that okay, we have these leads taken care of, we have these volunteers taken care of. Now in you know November, we can say we can go for a mass gathering because we have all these positions filled. And therefore, in January, we know we don't have to say twenty four ninety nine is the limit. You know, just that earlier. And I'd like to see everything go a little bit earlier, but I understand that it's a slower process. Well, and, and we have moved things up. Yes. Part of the deal is, too, is like immediately post-flip side, large portion of us immediately roll into burning man mode and you know so that puts everything no one gets back from that till the first or second of september and then much like flip side if you spend any time out there it's your two or three weeks decompressing sleeping on the couch watching netflix you know trying to get the ply dust out of all the cracks and crevices and then you know then you're into october and then oh my gosh and then there's art outside and then there's mischievia I'm I'm saying perfect world, yeah, definitely. I I really I like going to the other events as well, and you know I'm going to try and get to Mischievous this year. Depending on how the weather goes, I, I'm going to try and go to Freezer Burn as well. 
And I understand that we have other events that go on, and and there it's a very uh, the community in Austin also goes to those events, so it's it's difficult to schedule around. Well, we can't do this here because there is mischief. We can't do this here because all oh, the next week there's that. There's, you know, I get it, but it doesn't mean I wouldn't like to see it. <laughs> well, for example, town hall this year is September twenty seventh. Yes. And in years past, it was in November, and then it was October, and then we keep sliding it back because, mm -hmm. the, you know, we're trying to get the word out there earlier and earlier. As the complexity of the organization grows, just scheduling everything just becomes a difficulty. We're becoming more of a bureaucracy, which is rather sad but true. Well, at some point, do you think that the focus should be more shifted to, you know, flip side, uh, as, as the community grows, do you think the focus should shift to, all right, well, we have our own event, and this is what we should be focusing on, rather than worrying about the people that are, the people who are going to Burning Man are going to go to Burning Man, the people who are going to Mischievous are going to go, we should worry about flip side. Well, that would probably be true if it weren't so many of the organizers were so interested in going to Burning Man and playing, and going to Lakes of Fire and playing, and going to Mischievous. I mean, outside burns are truly where people that are heavily into the structure of burning Flipside get to go and play and experience their own burn. Oh, well, definitely. And also, it's it's also another chance that um, the other the other thing I think is it's also another chance to learn how other burn events work, and they can see the pros and the cons of how they run their event, and they can take that as a as a learning experience as well. That's true. I'm the 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 basis of our side ops was greatly decided by DPW at, at Burning Man. At that time when we started side operations at Flipside, DPW had this horrible reputation and they were, you know, kind of the bad boys of the block and our org was determined that that was not culturally beneficial to our community. So our structure has always been set up to avoid the worst excesses of that. That's why we don't have a segregated camp, bar, or what kind of thing. Do you go to Burning Man pretty much every year, or do you, like, uh... I do not. I try to go every other year. Mm -hmm. I missed last year because I broke my leg. Uh, I'll go this year. I will go again next year. Mm -hmm. If I can attach myself to an art project mm -hmm. and get out there early, mm -hmm. that is the very best experience. I have friends of mine that are actually going to go this year, and... I really would like to have gone, but it's one of those, it's the, <clears throat> the time commitment and the money that is just, I don't have at the moment. It's a, it's a huge commitment. I mean, monetarily wise, I think it takes about $1,500. Mm -hmm. And then the time commitment, and if you're going out to early and working or doing anything else, and you've also ate into income because you're not working. I always, I always consider it, you know, it's going to cost, you know, about 1500 bucks, and it's also going to cost about two weeks. That's an accurate assessment. Great, from someone who hasn't gone. Awesome. Even Ed, I recommend everyone drive once, and then you'll figure out why you fly in the rest of the time. <laughs> I would love to go. I really would. It's just, you know, I I have my own way that I like to do my camping. You know, I have a trailer, so I keep that out there. But, man, that would be, like I said, it was what I thought was three and a half days to get there, three and a half days to get back. And that's that's cutting it close and then a week there so that's two weeks just gone it is and nearly everyone breaks down either coming or going at least once oh great that's exactly what i need to think about <laughs> and also the other thing is is i don't uh with with how they do their tickets you know they, they do so early i mean not that i can't get a ticket you can get tickets just that it's it's a 
you need to know, I need to know well in advance because I'm a planner. I need to know that, yes, I'm going to go. And at that point, it seems like I'm already into now. I'm, right now, I'm going to flip side. You know, it's that, it's that February, March area that I, I know I'm going to flip side. So that's taken my, my thought process there. Even with the ticket sales going the way they are at Burning Man with them selling out, I think it's much like Flipside has always been. If you decide you're going to go, carve out that time and make that space for it, it will happen. Yeah, it's really just the $1,500 I don't have. <laughs> and I had the first year I went, I drove out and broke down on the way back and ended up spending time at a place called the Integratron out near Joshua Tree, California. And it was an it is an amazing dome-like structure built by an astrophysicist in the 50s. And it's like a giant field generation for harmonic vibrations and does not have a nail in it. Well, we have, we have one of those stories about, you know, breaking down for one of our campmates that came out the flip side. It took him, because I want to say he lived in, he lives in, Oregon. He lives in the Northwest, basically, and it took him from Flipside three months to get back. With the fact that you know his car broke down and everything going, just it just went wrong for him. It took him three months to get back. Yeah, so you wouldn't want that to happen coming back from Burning Man. You know, you might leave in 2014 and not get back till 2015. Exactly. Yeah, and it's just so damn far. It is one of the things though I really like about the contrast though is. They always talk about piss clear and how hot it is. You're leaving Austin in August where it's 95 degrees at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're going to a place where the high in the daytime is 90 and it's dry heat and at night it's in the high 50s. It's like going to Colorado for a vacation. Yeah, I bet it's, I bet it's nice. And, and one of the things that I liked about talking to my camp, who has been, you know, that, that the comparison from Burning Man to Flipside is really, other than being smaller, is that flip side's nicer, just in general as in, you, especially now that, that we're at uh, Apache Pastures, that we have shade. We're not worried about playa dust, or more or less. That's uh, a little bit of poison ivy here and there now. Yeah, I mean, the conditions, to me, are not that ha- harsh. The difference is just the sheer amount of people and the scale of the art. I like to say it's apples to oranges. I like them both. Right. They're both sweet. But they each have their own flavor, and, and, and they really are totally different events. Would you like to see, like, large art that comes out to, you know, that would come out from Burning Man 2 Flipside? You... you know, a few years ago, the Flaming Lotus Girls, or an offshoot of them, brought the gnome, which shot the 40-foot methanol flames. I would love to see more traveling art. Have you tried to, uh, when you go, to say, you know, to, like, Burning Man, to say, you should bring some stuff out? I have done that at other events. I have been trying for three years to get the uh, fire art Dorothy. Is it Dorothy? I think that's its name. Anyway, there's there's some fire art up in uh, Lakes of Fire. It's like a giant t- totem pole, and it has three mix mixers that participants can play with. And if you hit the correct sequence... It goes through this whole lighting routine culminating in a massive fireball. Well, it seems like you should be getting on that and bringing, bringing some of the, you know, large art to come out the flip side to show that off. It takes, you know, it takes a lot of commitment. Uh, we, ha- we had the uh, Obscure come to flip side this year. We had uh, Gator Mechanica or whatever it was from New Orleans, the, f- the flame piece on the upper field. But certainly we, sh- we should all be art ambassadors. If you're mischievous and you see a good piece of art, you should be encouraging them bring it to Flipside, or at Burning Man, or at Apogee, or at Transformers. 
Hey. <laughs> That's all good. Thank you for doing this. Man, thank you. I appreciate you coming out. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, get more out here and I can actually get a lot more of these uh, coming out. Yeah, if you got a catalog of them, perhaps they could host them on the website. I actually have the the. I do have. I've been trying to. I've been trying to figure out how to do this onto an iTunes. I don't know how to yet. I got it onto a, a Tumblr blog that that's able to stream. That's able to you could download it. Uh, depending on how um, how much traffic this actually ends up getting. I might have to get it for a uh, a larger because I I store it up on Amazon. The Amazon has a uh, cloud storage save, service, so they can. It's not hitting my computer; it's actually hitting theirs. So it has a specific limit. If it goes above that limit, I'm, I might have to figure out another solution right now. But I'm trying to get it to where if if you if you tell some of your other friends that hey you had a good time and wanted to talk about this because I I you you've heard the other ones I've I've enjoyed getting to know everybody you know because i don't think i don't know that many people i do but i don't george pap yes i can yeah. twist his arm definitely got to twist his arm. he lives in san antonio though doesn't he he does he well he stays in san antonio working during the week mm-hmm. but he could he it, it could be arranged it could be arranged that would be very cool i'm trying to get i'm trying to get one done a week basically george if you're listening to this buddy <laughs> we're counting on you excellent thank you very much for coming in and thank you for the beer i appreciate it Oh, you're welcome. Pat Wheaton would be another good one. And so on, if the series of seas will always stay close to sea and never trend away, that point is in the Mandelbrot set. Mandelbrot set, your raw shock test on fire. A table pterodactyl. You're a heart shaped box of springs and wire in one badass fucking fractal. And you're just in time to save the day.